forgiveness or forgiving someone doesn't mean that you can give them a free pass. You know, it gives you a free pass to move on, but it doesn't give them a free pass for the things that they've done to you and that they hurt you. Um, There has been times in all of our lives where we have been hurt and taken advantage of and lied to, you know. And although, you know, we have physically been removed from the person, the anger and resentment and even the hatred still lingers. You know, it occupies every aspect of our lives at times. You know, we can carry it with us from relationship to relationship, from life experience to life experience. You know, it's extremely detrimental to your health. And I'm a, I know one time when I was just, I refused to just forgive. I was just like, I don't care. I know the Lord's told me that I need to forgive. I know he's told me that I need to begin to start this healing process. I'm just not going to do it because I felt that, you know, this was supposed to be my mother. She was supposed to look out for me. I didn't actually put on this earth, and so why should I forgive her? Because it was her job to take care of me. And so, therefore, I was stuck in this pattern, just stuck, until one day I ended up in the ICU because my body had just completely shut down on me because it had taken its toll. Unforgiveness is a cancer. It occupies your mind. It occupies your heart. And therefore, all of it's connected. So that means you're not sleeping well. You're not eating well. You know, you're just passing through life. You're not doing the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. And what will end up happening is that your body will just be like, you know what, you don't know how to shut down or do something. We're going to do something about it. You know, when the funny thing is, it's like we we consider ourselves spiritual people, open-minded and loving. However, we carry this deep hurt that we just can't seem to shake. We can't let it go. And you sometimes may say, well, why is that? You know, our primitive nature has evolved solely to protect us from danger, threat, or vulnerability. It doesn't think. It only reacts. You know, our primitive nature is controlled by what what I can t- what we tend to call this automatic brain. It's like, you know, automatic cycle. You know, once it detects danger of being, you know, something's happening, something's going to go wrong, it will cause us to fight or flee. You know, when you have been wronged, it detects danger and has you fighting and fleeing. Fight or flight appears in several ways. Like, for example, anger is fight. Withdrawal or depression is flight. Um, let me just speak more so on withdrawal and depression. That is a, a dangerous aspect that many of us who have been hurt, who have been wronged, who have been traumatized suffered with. And what it is, it is a withdrawal from the reality of what potentially is going on. So, therefore, it's easier to just 
withdraw within ourselves, withdraw from people, it makes it easier from having to deal with the day-to-day. Self-sabotage is another flight risk so you don't get hurt anymore. And self-sabotage is in several different ways. What you do is you'll sabotage business opportunities, you know, chances to success, chances to promotion, friendships, so that, therefore, you don't have to worry about getting hurt or getting your hopes up and having them dashed. So, therefore, you will self-sabotage. You will find a way for someone to just not offer you the position. And also, you have relationship sabotage, you know, and that's fight and flight. Again, it's so that you don't get hurt, you know, you think about the fight or flight, it, it, it served as well in the wilds of the jungle when we was just out there doing our thing. Like if we were in the prehistoric times before, you know, everything was developed and we were out there in the wild, yes, it would have served as well. However, we lived in a modern society and we have a God who loves us. So today it doesn't work well especially not in this particular shape and form. You know, what we have to begin to do is to shift, you know, to our divine nature, which, you know, there is as well, but it only covers the benefits of layering of AB. Like the mind is the facilitator of our divine nature, you know, and here are some of the things you can tap into in order to forgive, Number one, and I put this as number one because for me, I have to think that because when somebody hurts me, the first thing that I used to think about is how am I going to get back at you? So basically when someone has hurt you or misused you and abused you or mistreated you, cancel any plans for revenge. Because it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. For you to seek revenge, you think you're God. You're going out of order, and you're trying to do something that he can only do. And the thing is, is that you'll get a superficial satisfaction, but it won't last long. Because what you're trying to do is to feed something in the worldly nature that only a spiritual nature can fulfill. Number two, allow yourself to be happy. And I know most would say, well, how do I do that? What I had to do is I started going out. I stopped staying in the house all the time. You know, I am a true introvert, and I don't always like to be around people. However, that was a nice nasty disaster waiting to happen just ruin in the background because if I was really going through something, I didn't have anyone to talk to, or if they talked to me on the phone, they couldn't see me, so they just assumed that everything was okay. So by me going out and enjoying myself, you know, buying some makeup, maybe buying a pair of shoes, having a nice meal to myself, going to the spa, Allowing myself to be happy because I deserve that, you know. And really, it is more of a choice than you think, you know. And people say, well, I just can't be happy. There have been times when my heart has been crushed into pieces, 
And I decided that I was not going to lay in bed and cry. I was going to go out. I was going to put my makeup on. I was going to do my hair. I was going to go out. I was going to enjoy the day, and I was going to be happy that day. And trust me, before the day was out, I was smiling. I was loving it. I was having a great time because I programmed in my mind. I told it what it was going to do. That is the power that God has given us to speak things into existence. That's why it says power, you know, life and death lies in the power of the tongue. If you keep saying that you're not happy all the time, you're going to always not be happy. Yes, there is times we have depressive moments, and I do. I do, you know, suffer from depression, clinical depression. So we do have those moments, but there is times I have to fight to make myself happy, fight to get out of the bed, fight to say that I'm going to do something that is not going to keep me in this pattern. It's a fight. You know, when you're feeling anger and need to lash out, excuse yourself from the situation. Breathe. Count to five, wait to count to two, then breathe and count to five again. And this is what you can repeat to yourself. There is no danger. There is no threat. I am safe. What I learned even on my own personal things is I had to learn what my limits were when it came to dealing with certain people and certain people pushing buttons. And it can be friends, close family members, whomever it is, you know that you have your limit. And so once that limit is reached, instead of lashing out, remove yourself. Now, trust me, I had a situation with my my ex where he would just follow me, always follow me around, like, well, we're not finished talking, and we're not finished talking. And it was just like, okay, like, I need to leave. Was there times that I completely lashed out? Yes, there were. But nine times out of ten, it was like, I know I can't handle this situation. I know that I, you know, don't want to say something in anger that can't be taken back, and I don't want to cause a complete scene because I know that God is within me and that I'm better than that, and so therefore let's walk away because I can't handle it. There's nothing wrong with saying I can't handle this conversation or I can't handle the situation and walking away. It's not making you less of a person. It's not saying that you're not hard, that you ain't got it. It shows your self-control. It shows that you understand what your limit is in that particular situation with emotions and you would rather walk away than to do something that you maybe never can take back. So don't let anyone tell you that walking away is just not being a man or being a woman. I think highly of those who walk away because it shows you have self-control. You know, realize that holding on to being wrong has become a habit and has become familiar. It was easy to be a victim once I knew better. And let me just really emphasize that. As I was obedient and went through the counseling sessions and began to talk with the therapist and began to just lay things on the altar, just lay it there and let it stay there, 
there came a part where I realized I never really sought out true forgiveness or healing because chaos, drama, and victimhood is all I knew. So it was familiar. You heard that phrase that says, I'd rather stay with the crazy I know than the crazy I don't know. That was the life. And that's what happens when we decide that we don't want to really go through the forgiving process. We know we deserve better. We know we need to do better. We know that not forgiving is just destroying us, but it's comfortable. We know this emotion. We know what that the sadness feels like. We know what, you know, the drama feels like. And we know it's not good for us, but we're comfortable. Because it, it, it just, it hugs us. It knows us. It coddles us. It doesn't make us, it doesn't push us outside of the box of the boundary. It lets us stay in the little box that it's created for us. And it becomes so familiar and so comfortable that it is slowly squeezing the life out of you. But because we're so comfortable in the box, we don't think that it's squeezing the life out of us. We think it's still holding us and hugging us and loving us more and keeping us close. No. Begin to picture your life without holding on to the anger and the hurt. You know, start creating new habits of forgiveness. You know, understanding why is it that you can't forgive is the first step. And for me, that first step for me was she was my mom, and she was charged to protect me, and she was the one that hurt me. And it was difficult to let that go because my life predicated on everything else. Because in that process, then I felt like I wasn't good enough, so therefore I had to deny myself, deny my time, deny my calling to make sure that other people were okay because I was still trying to compensate for the fact that I didn't feel love by my mother. So once I understood what the crux of why I couldn't forgive, and, and believe me, this took a couple of years. This took a couple of years of going to therapy consistently, you know, reading my Bible, meditating, praying. It was a combination of that. It wasn't, you know, so many people will say, well, if you pray hard enough, you won't be depressed. If you pray hard enough, you won't go through anything. Let me clarify something when it comes to that. Would you go to your pastor if you was having a heart attack? You wouldn't say then, well, if you pray enough, then you wouldn't have this heart attack. The same thing with, you know, a neurologist. You wouldn't say if you pray hard enough, you, you wouldn't have this problem in the brain. No, you would go to the neurologist. God has given us so many varied talents and skill sets. We all have our roles 
in this. And I know there's going to be some people that's going to be upset with me, and I am very well okay with that. I'm very okay with that. And I'm okay with that because of the many years I have been within ministry since I was seven years old and very close to leadership, within leadership, a part of leadership. And so, therefore, I've seen it and experienced it. So I'm okay with people being upset with me for saying this. Your pastor is not your mental health counselor. It just isn't. Your pastor is not your marriage counselor. He, he or she is instructed and given the task of guiding us in our spiritual walk. He has licensed therapists, counselors, and therapists who he has given that skill set and that knowledge set and that love to. They have the capability and capacity to handle that. I see so many of my ministry brothers and sisters so broken because they're taking on roles that wasn't designed for them. Because, you know, a lot of things are so confidential. And so we are burdening them, and some of us just don't know. And for myself, I'm African-American, so for in the African-American community, it is completely taboo to talk about mental health, which we need to break that up. So I want you to know that it is okay to have your therapist and your pastor, because both of them together is going to get you to the path of healing and forgiveness because your pastor is going to help undergird your spiritual health and your therapist is going to help undergird your mental health. Just like you have a primary care doctor that helps your physical health, those aspects together help you maintain and stay healthy as a whole person. There's very parts of us. So, therefore, think about it. You have your eye doctor. You have your dentist. You have your primary care doctor. You have, if you have back issues, you may have a chiropractor. If you have other issues, you have neurology. You have all of these varied doctors that all work together to keep you healthy. That's when your pastor is included in that and your, the ministry you're with, and so is a, a licensed therapist. They all go together for us to be whole and loved. So we can't put, I wouldn't go to my therapist for spiritual guidance. Now, don't get me wrong, she has, sometimes in our sessions when I've gone left and I've forgotten who I am, you know, God has no problem using her to give me a scripture to bring me back to reality. But that's the power of God. That is the utter power of God. So we have to use what God has given us because I was one of those who was against it. I'm like, I'm not going to no therapist. And the, you know what? God was like, okay, I'm going to make sure you do because I've been telling you for years. He made the provisions 
gave it to me, showed me who I needed to go to, what he wanted me to do, and I still decided I was going to do what I needed to do. But I had to do that because he was trying to call me to something greater because now I can talk about my abuse and not have a complete mental and emotional breakdown in doing so. I can listen to others. I can share with others, and I can sit with them and be a, 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 you know, a comfort to them as they're sharing their own stories and not have complete meltdowns. Now, I have my limits, but that's because I was obedient and did what God told me to do. Now, most people will say, but you know what? Why should I do that? Because life can be so unfair. Yeah, it can be. It can definitely be unfair. You know, it's good, bad, or indifferent. Life is not always fair, but it's life. It's things that's going to happen in the world, outside how the world system was built. They're going to have their favorites. They're going to like who they like. They're going to be around who they want to be around. Life is unfair. Just like, you know, when we as believers like to say favor ain't fair. Life isn't fair. Sometimes, and a lot of the times when a lot isn't fair, we can be dealing with the consequences of actions that we did. Whether we did them intentionally and unintentionally, there's still actions, consequences to those actions. So we can't keep saying, well, I don't want to forgive that person because, you know, I didn't get a fair shake. They got one up on me. They had a better growing up. Let's stop saying that because you may have grown up in the hood in a one-bedroom apartment and your mother was the sole provider and you see Susie up the street, you know, up the other end of town who has a big house, both her parents at home, and you think she's got it better. You don't know if she's getting beaten every night. You don't know if she's getting abused every night. You don't know if her mother or her brother, you don't know what is going on in each and everyone's home. So we have to stop saying that someone had a better upbringing because we don't know what their particular circumstances are. What looks good on the outside is great. It's great to see what's on the outside, but on the inside it can be a completely different thing. This is why we have to stop keeping up with the Joneses and comparing ourselves to the Joneses when they get things or when they move up the ladder because our, how God blesses us and them are different. And yes, it is. You don't know where they were at in their wait season. You could just be going into your season and they could be coming out, but they're going into a wait season for something else. So we can't compare what someone else has based on we're going to use that as a basis for us to forgive. We can't do that because it blocks what we have. It blocks God from blessing us because what we're using it as is like we've decided that we still want to just be again in the comfort of that familiar pain and that we don't want to move out of it. Also, forgiveness is going to take supernatural help. It is going to take the nothing but the grace of God. You know, 
I'm not even going to say that I've been blessed, but many of my abusers, because a lot of them were either dealers or drug users or whatever, are no longer on this earth. There are a few that are still alive. And I don't put names out there. I don't, I don't do that. Um, but there was a point in time when I would cringe being in the same vicinity of them. And I would get so angry, and I would just be so mad at, like, why are they living their best life and I'm over here struggling? Like, I, you know, want to just walk away. Like, I want somebody to end this for me. And they're living their best life. And then that's when I realized that I could only require on God to help me to forgive them because it wasn't something that I could do within my innate self and my innate power. Like, there was no way I was going to do it on my own. No way. Because if it was left up to me, I'd be trying to find some revenge real quick. But God had to step in. And allowing him to step in, it unclogs your blessing. You know, you may wonder why things that you've prayed for, you're asking for, or still haven't received them, or the job that you was looking for, or the promotion you was looking for, or the business that you're trying to build wasn't there. You're looking for all of that. But at the end of the day, the reason why you don't have it is because you're still holding some type of unforgiveness in your heart. And because you're holding that within your heart, he can't talk to you because that blocks him from having a conversation with you, from having a relationship with you so that he can feed you the things that you need, the spiritual food that you need. When you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's just like you basically have shut him out. You may say, no, I love God, I read my scripture, I study, but you haven't forgiven that person or asked him to help you to forgive that person. And until you do that, he can't talk to you because he he can't be in the midst of that. He can't be in the midst of that craziness, that drama, that, you know, filth. He's a loving God, so therefore he can't put eyes on that. And then, too, he's looking like, I forgave you. What's going on? What do you need? So as long as we continue to harbor that unforgiveness, we are blocking our, not only our blessings, but we're blocking our relationship with God. We're blocking it from growing and being stronger and expanding and for him to show us all the things that he has placed us on this earth and predestined us for. You have to forgive. But here's another reason some of us can't forgive. We need to forgive God. Like, honestly, some of us need to forgive God. You know, when something bad happens in our lives or something didn't happen the way we expected, we always ask, how did God let this happen? And trust me, you're not the only one. I ask the same question, too. 
I used to be like, God, like, how how can you let this happen? How did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why did you allow me to be born to for somebody to abuse and misuse me? How did that happen? Why would you do that? So, therefore, there was years that I was angry with him, and I was just like, <laughs> whatever. I don't need to bother with you. I don't need to rock with you. Like, I remember when I walked away from the church for a long time because I thought God was crazy. Now, this doesn't negate the fact that I knew what my call was, and I always had this affinity for praise and worship and knew what that call was. That didn't stop me from blaming him because I didn't have anyone else to blame. So, therefore, it was easy. he was an easy target. But we have to realize that God is not our enemy. You know, his intentions and actions towards us is always good. You go to 1 John 1 and 5, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is only good and his mercy endures forever. He doesn't change back and forth from good to bad. You know, you can trust him because he always has your best interest at heart. So don't hold on to any anger toward him, but have a conversation with him and tell him how you feel and let it go. Just like you go to your girlfriends and your boys and tell them about you that experience you had and tell them how you so upset you are, just how sometimes many of you can possibly go to your parents or your siblings when you're upset and hurt by something that they did. You have that same conversation with God. You tell him why you felt that way. You tell him why you was hurt, you know, that you felt that he didn't have your back. You tell him that. And then once you tell him that, let it go, because then he's going to speak to you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to let you know what the real deal is. Because in actuality, the devil wants us to believe that the bad stuff is God's fault or that he allowed it. You ever heard that song that says we must accept what God allows? You know, he, the devil wants you to believe that God doesn't care or that he's mad at you or he's just not paying attention. You know, the devil knows that if you're mad at God, he's got you separated from your help. That is his key. He needs to separate you from your help so that you have no place else to go to so that you can turn to the vices of the world to alleviate pain. And what do you say those are? It is can be drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, shopping addictions, anything that he can use to separate you from God and your help, he's going to do. But know that God loves you. He doesn't allow things to happen. He doesn't go from good to bad like that. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't like you today, so. He doesn't do that. 
Many times we are being tested. And I advise anyone to read the book of Job. It is one of my favorite books. You know, a lot of times we go through trials and tribulations and we experience things not because God is angry with us. It's because that the enemy has made a request. And I need people to understand this. Satan can't do anything to us especially if we're, now we're not talking about people who belong to him and they're going to do what he what they want to do. I'm talking about us who are as believers who belong to the one and only high God. He has to make a request to say, I can just mess with that person. I can take everything away from them and they're going to curse you and die. And God's going to tell you, go for it but you can't take their life. So what Satan does is he does everything in his power to separate you. He takes things from you. He puts you through just craziness. And because he knows he can't take your life, he does things to you to try to do it so you can do it yourself. And I don't mean sometimes basically taking your physical life, he's trying to destroy your physical life, your spiritual life. Because if he gets you to kill that off, you're basically dead. If you kill yourself spiritually, you're dead. So he is going to do everything possible to get you to separate yourself from God. You know, again, when, when you're in the realm of forgiveness and you're going through the process and you're looking at what has happened and why this has happened, you have to know your enemy. Just like that God's not your enemy, but you have to know who is. You know, we're harboring unforgiveness, like we're dealing with it in the flesh. And that's not the way to get healed. You know, God wants us to overcome the hurt, you know, and that's only done in the spirit. Romans 8.13 says if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if we live by the spirit, we put the deeds of the flesh to death and we can live God's abundant life. Let me say that again, you know, If we live by the Spirit, we put the deeds of the flesh to death, and we can live God's abundant life. And you know it's always the better way to live. You know, basically you can say it this way. The flesh, the flesh man wants justification and judgment, and the Spirit calls for mercy and forgiveness. You know, Satan wants us to live in the flesh. That is how he survives. That is how he grows. That is how he thrives. That is how he moves. He knows the spirit. He knows the scriptures, but he can't operate in that. His realm is flesh. So, therefore, because, remember, he got kicked out because of flesh, because he was feeling himself, as the kids say. He was feeling himself. So, therefore, he got put out. 
So he only knows flesh. So therefore, he sows seeds of division and strife and unforgiveness to clog our blessings. And we don't have to allow it. You know, we can rise above it and remember the real enemy. It's not people. Like, I'm going to say that again. People are not your enemy. I'm going to say it again. People are not your enemy. Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Like when a person hurts you, we don't wrestle with them. We have to recognize the source of the strife, the division, the destruction, and the offense. And when I sat down and really thought about and was doing some research in reference to my mother, I understood now what her pain was. She had a broken person who had been abused, misused, and tortured for the majority of her life, who then had children. And because she didn't know how to deal with her own pain, she self-medicated. She was a heroin addict from the time that I can remember. So she self-medicated all of the, all. at least I know all of my life up until her death. So therefore, she wasn't even rationally in this world. But then I, I, I understood some other things. She had a gift just a, a just God-given gift. Like she could just flat out sing, flat foot, whether she was straight, so high, whatever it is, she just had that gift. But because past hurts and trauma and abuse was so prevalent, and back then people didn't talk about it, even have an outlet, and then to be abused in your adult life, because you can imagine being in the street and being drugs, and I just know as a child being homeless, trust, you know, we know those things. So she never could live to the potential because she had her own issues. So therefore, she was hurt and broken, and that's all she knew how to do. So therefore, that's where us being hurt and broken came into play. But then it was another thing. God knew her gift. And when it it was like, okay, I did a devotional and I said, listen, there comes a point in time when God gives you a purpose and a gift. And when you cannot fulfill that, he assigns it to someone else because it has to manifest. It has to happen. So that's what it was did. But I, what I didn't understand until years, some years ago, was that that assignment was reassigned to me. 
And I've watched how the enemy has hunted me, tried to distract me, tried to just completely destroy me, and at one point was successful in me walking away from ministering in song for many years just completely walking away because I was just so broken and so hurt and harboring just this unforgiveness towards this person who couldn't love me because she didn't know how. I was asking, was getting something from her that she didn't even have herself and didn't even know how to vocalize or do. And the time in which she abandoned us, I was just even more crushed but then God revealed that that was that one moment that she wasn't high when she decided that she, I can't take care of them. They have to go someplace else that they can prosper and flourish. And that's when she released us. But that is understanding what happened in that person's life. Because in doing so, I then cannot have to wrestle with her, the spirit of her. I can wrestle with the enemy and that spirit and pray and get on my knees because now I know where the source is coming from. He, the enemy's got it out for us. He, he definitely does not want us to walk and live in purpose. He is sneaky. He's real sneaky. You know, he doesn't come, you know, marching up with the pitchfork like that you see in the movies. He uses people and situations to distract and torment you. So that person who was close family friend and all of a sudden they then turned on you and they're just being evil to you and you love them so much and you don't understand why there was an opening to be used by him. And he walked right in it. And so, therefore, he is, you know, he's doing the bidding, but he's using them to do it. So, therefore, you're mad at the person because you think the person has lost it. You think the person is evil and the person's being mean when it's Satan. And he's sitting there laughing because you're now distracted. You know that he's not doing it so he can do his other little things, you know. Because, see, we forget that. You know, the flesh, we react in flesh by wanting to retaliate or wanting to, you know, attack the person or by holding the grudge. We have to recognize that when the devil is trying to undermine our faith. And Second Corinthians, it says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. Let's recognize when he's trying to distract us and undermine our faith through unforgiveness. You know, we can turn the tables on him by forgiving. Like when we feel hurt or angry at someone, sometimes even God, you know, stop and remember we are all that trouble is coming from. Like, the devil wants us to focus on hurts and disappointment. You know, he is the king of distractions. Trust me, you know. And you say, how is the king of distractions? You at work, 
everything is going fine, you're preparing to go on vacation, all of a sudden craziness ensues. The system goes down. You know, now you, you know, you've got a coworker that's upset. You can't do some things like this. Now you've got to, you know, delay this and delay. That was a distraction because you were moving along smoothly. You are studying reading your words, meditating, and he'll bring up some random thing. Like, he'll try to have conversations in your head. Hey, where's that book on so-and-so? Where did you put that? And then instead of us recognizing that sometimes, we will stop what we're doing. We're like, yeah, I wonder where that book is. When you have those little the things that kind of distract you, and think about when these distractions happen. It is always when you are elevating God, when you're doing something that God wants you to do, when it's also it's taking you out of the box that, you know, distractions and hurt and unforgiveness has put you. Like when you come, you know, lift your head over the flat, all of a sudden a distraction comes, you know. So forgiveness is a spiritual reaction. It's one of the best ways to stop him in his tracks and to, and to derail his evil intentions. But what we also got to understand, too, is forgiveness is a process. You know, it doesn't occur with simply with just one dramatic moment. And I think that's what we forget sometimes. We think that, oh, my goodness, why can't I forgive or why can't the person forgive? It just happened or whatever. You've got to understand a lot of the things that's happened to us happened over time. So forgiveness is a process. You know, it's, it's something that has to be repeated time and time again throughout different seasons of your life. You know. So... <laughs> Forgiveness is a point and a process. You know, both are required, and the more significant the hurt, the more present of the process of the event will be. You know, when I think about being abused as a child, you know, it didn't take, you know, one visit with the therapist to unravel everything. It was. It's a continual process. There, there, of course, things that I probably have so buried deep down into emotion that as we're working through, God reveals, allows certain things to be revealed because we have gotten to a point where I'm stronger, when I can deal with things. I have a great support system. But this is going to be a process that I work through for the rest of my life, you know, we, what happens is we confuse forgiveness as simply a point, meaning we're going to forgive, that's it, and we can move on. And we miss those opportunities of growth and understanding when issues keep coming to mind. You know, knowing that forgiveness is also a process, it can help us, it makes us expect times in which we remember what has happened. You know, we know those times will come, and we will see them as an invitation to further explore how the event has influenced us, how it's moved us, how it has made us grown, how it has, you know, shaped our day-to-day life. But we have to recognize that it's a process, and it's not anything that is going to happen overnight. I'm learning this. Every day, 
every single day because forgiveness is this fine intermediate walk that one day I'm great and the next minute I'm angry because I've had a memory or, you know, revelations that something has, you know, remembering something that has happened in our life, in my life. And then it's just like I just want to just be like I don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm just done. And and then I have days where it's just great, you know, because I'm learning and I've accepted that forgiveness is my freedom. You know, it's my freedom when someone's hurt me. It's my freedom when someone misuses me or has abused me. It is just pure, simple freedom. Because if I continue to harbor on to it, then I can't see the blessings that God has for me. If I had continued to hold on to the unforgiveness and the resentment and the anger and the bitterness that I had in reference to my childhood trauma, I wouldn't be talking to you guys this evening. There are things that God has put in place for myself that I wouldn't have ever imagined even a year ago. You could have never told me that. But it was because I finally took on that hard task of saying that I need to fully forgive. Even though I'm going to have instances where I remember, because even in the forgiving process, you're going to come in contact with so many people that have gone through things that you've gone through. And when I say forgiveness is freedom, forgiveness is unity, forgiveness is community, because then you know that you're not alone and you know that you're all going to a process that can make you better people. You know, when I say forgiveness is a process, yes, it takes time, it's costly, it's hard. You know, it's the restoring of relationships by releasing a painful past with an attitude of love. Like, nothing keeps us in bondage as, as our, you know, unwillingness to forgive. And we don't want to be bitter because bitterness leads to loneliness. And then we want to get even, and then we're out of God's will. And that we never want to be out of. I'll, I'll tell you this, being out of God's will is not fun. Being out of his covering is is a cold place. You know, I would rather deal with pulling back the old scabs and getting out the infection so that things can heal properly than for him to not be in close proximity or relationship to me. You know, we all have been betrayed or hurt by someone we trusted. You know, yes, many of us are holding this grudge, and yes, it's natural. But we have to do what God wants us to do and forgive. Because in forgiveness, it's healing, it's comfort, and it's the peace we so desperately, desperately need. 
So are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to do the dirty work, you know, of getting in and doing that forgiveness? Like the first initial process of it, it is going to be, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. But remember, forgiveness doesn't make you a doormat. It doesn't make you, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't make you say, oh, well, you forgive that person, you know, you don't really care about how you feel, you're not really protecting yourself. That is not the case. You know, being walking in forgiveness, what it does is that it begins to mend us that are so broken. It begins to mend our hearts. Forgiveness is key in everything. I'm an, a firm believer of it. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. And only God can help you through this healing process. You cannot do it on your own, no matter how hard you think you can, no matter how hard, you know, good you, you feel you are at doing it. You cannot do it by yourself. Forgive. 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 Because God has so much more for us. He has so much more for you. And we want to unblock the blessings and bring him back into our lives for the relationship so that we can move forward. I want to thank you for listening to us this evening on the Moving Past Your Radio Show. And be sure to visit our Facebook page, Moving Past You, to join the conversation, access show notes, and get fantastic bonus content. Um, if you can listen on the replay on Praise Orlando Facebook page, or you can find us on iTunes and Spotify, um, and you can just search Moving Past You. And as I leave you this evening, I want you to always to remember to be kind in your word, in your thought, in your deed. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great one. <laughs>